You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even Listeners, Al Martin here. You've made it back to Making Data Simple. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. If my, if I'm correct here, I think this is going to be the last recorded episode of the year. We're going to re-release a couple of uh, popular episodes during the holidays. And then on New Year's, we will have our top episode of the entire year. And then to start the new year, 2020, I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> But 2020, we will have the 100th episode, and we'll celebrate a little bit. So stay tuned for that. That'll be fun. Today, I have a, a, a couple of guests. First one is Winnie Allen. You, you probably know Winnie if you've been listening to the podcast. She's been on here before, although her role has changed, Winnie. with a, She's now the Program Director of Data Science and AI Elite Team. This is an elite team that uh, we work with clients to uh, do, you know over data science, work machine learning models, et cetera. Uh, she's she's driving operations for them. So welcome, Winnie. And not that Winnie's no less important, but we've got a special guest today, which is a, a client, uh, Gordon Johnson, who is DHL's global head of optimization. He's a logistics specialist. And I'm to understand that's from air and ocean freight. He'll explain this in a minute. But what we wanted to talk about today, this is a conversation with Gordon about how DHL is using data and analytics through new advanced data analytics, well, a tool that they have uh, for highly sensitive cargo and implications around the logistics uh, industry. Now, well, I'll, I'll say a little bit more and then I'm going to turn it over to Gordon, but the, the tools I know it was designed to enable DHL customers in the healthcare industry to easily visualize complex data. So you can visualize critical shipments in the industry. And these are shipments that often contain vital life-saving like medicine for patients across the globe, no pressure. Uh, and end-to-end visibility for customers, for live monitoring, for optimal shipping routes, in-transit temperature control. So you can essentially do some trend analysis. You can monitor your carrier uh, service level performance. You can do this uh, in land or, or in the air. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you can monitor all this and then you can, obviously the outcomes are decreased cost, improve processes, reduce risk, you know, all this thing that goes along with it. So. When we heard about this, we really wanted to bring Gordon on and my partner in crime, going back to Winnie. Uh, this is Winnie, this is like uh, before I introduced Gordon here, this is kind of the mini series that we've been doing. We, we took a little bit of a lapse there, but this is kind of the last part of that mini series that that you brought brought to us. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before we begin? Sure, Al. Um, just to recap, and, and th by the way, thanks for having me here. Um, it's kind of nostalgic for me to come back on here, um, really talk about use cases. Um, when we first started on the mini-series, we really wanted to give our audience a view um, on the field, um, you know, of how people are using um, data and AI, improving, um, improving their businesses and um, their really people's lives. And so um, when uh, when I 
talked to Gordon, um, I realized that this is, you know, a really unique um, but critical way of using data to um, improve not just the business, but really improve um, people's lives um, in, in how they're really saving lives, um, literally. And so I thought this would be kind of a nice way um, to, you know, um, sign off um, on my side because um, I will um, probably not be coming back on for a little while and it's kind of a nice way to to conclude the mini series um but of course you know i will continue to listen to the podcast um, we appreciate yeah that. yeah there's a lot to be said about you know how people are using data um and you know kind of uh, uh going over to gordon here um dhl you know it, it's a it's a very well well-recognized brand. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes on in the logistics industry. Um, you know, it's almost a sort of like a supply chain, right? You need to make sure things happen, um, you know, in a smooth fashion. And specifically what you do um, in your division um, is quite unique. And so um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Gordon, to maybe give um, kind of a high level um, introduction first of, you know, what is the this business specifically, um, and uh, maybe go into you know how you guys are seeing data, what that means to you, um, and take it from there. Absolutely, thank you, Winnie, and, and thank you, Al, for having me on. Um, perfect setup, perfect uh, question, Winnie. Uh, we've been on a, a journey for the last uh, going on fifteen years now in this specific sector of life sciences and healthcare, and just to give give a bit of a backdrop on the company itself uh, for, for those that might not know, or DHL, we're the red and yellow trucks that you may see, sometimes planes as well, um, operating in over 200 countries around the world. We've got over 350,000 employees. We're, we're quite a large organization. Our headquarters is in, in Germany. Um, so we're specialized in a number of different markets and, and verticals tech, energy, automotive, retail. Uh, but today we're going to fo focus exclu exclusively on life sciences and healthcare. And that's my background. I've actually been in uh, this industry and this sector for, for the entire 15 years uh, of my career. Um, and, and just to get a bit of a uh, perspective on it, um, these products are, are highly, highly regulated. Um, I guess with great response, with great uh, power comes great responsibility, they say in the comic book, Spider-Man, right? So um, you're moving this stuff around. It has the potential to save people's lives, but uh, you have to ensure that what they're going to be putting in their bodies is viable uh, and safe. And that's always been um, something that's interested me. Uh, to be a part of that process, to be a part of that accountability throughout the supply chain or, or value chain. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to focus on today. And I'm extremely excited to uh, to jump into it with you guys. So uh, from a data perspective, uh, DHL has um, re just recently announced our strategy uh, for 2025. And we're going to be making um, some some pretty substantial investments in, in all things digital uh, over the course of the next five years. Uh, this is an industry that probably isn't at the same pace as, say, marketing 
or finance in terms of digitalization, a logistics supply chain is, is, is quite possibly a step behind, uh, but we know that we need to, to make up ground. Um, there's a, there's a, a lot of disruptive forces uh, uh, creeping up here in, in the form of non-traditional competition uh, that we need to be aware of uh, and to continue to transform ourselves so that we can compete. Hey, could you take a step back and just, um, for for some of the listeners, I don't know who wouldn't know who DHL is. I mean, certainly uh, it's a it's a very recognized company, mm-hmm. but I still want to make sure that you characterize what the business is about, Absolutely. what it represents, what you guys okay. do. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in terms of DHL um, and life sciences and healthcare, uh, we're focused on on delivering life saving products to, that to people that need them the most. Um, uh, so this is extremely uh, a rewarding area to be a part of um, because it's it's highly fragmented and highly complicated uh, to ship from one point in the world to another. Um, you may have thirty plus people touching that shipment. Um, so what we what we like to do and what we're very interested in is seeing all the the data associated with those shipping processes and, and forming insights and, and creating information uh, from that data. Um, in terms of the routings themselves, how, how are they aligned with the service levels that our customers are paying for? If I'm paying extra uh, to ship pharmaceutical goods, Am I getting what I'm paying for? Why am I still having temperature excursions? How does seasonality affect my shipments? Um, How does transit time uh, affect a certain type of packaging configuration that I'm shipping these sensitive products in? Um, So so really the the globalization, um, I would say, of, of, of pharmaceutical companies and the fact that uh, a lot of their pipelines are drawing up are, are drying up and they are going through various mergers and acquisitions uh, looking for new innovations within themselves changing their product lines from chemically synthesized products to biologically based there's a ton of transformation going on process wise coupled with digital transformation it can create what i like to call data chaos um, so yes, <laughs> yes, data chaos. So this is an area that I, I work in that should maybe be my title instead of, uh, optimization is, uh, head of chaos because, um, that's what we're all going through right now. We're all going through digital transformation. We're all trying to extract knowledge from data. Uh, but we have different systems, different, uh, data formats, schemes, uh, schemas, uh, so it's it's just trying to uh, centralize all of this and standardize it as best as possible. It's a huge challenge of ours. So in, another que- yet another question. You mentioned data chaos. I like the I like the term. I feel like I'm a, in the same data chaos that you are on a regular basis. But can you define that? A little? What do you What do you mean by data chaos? There's a specific reason you say it. I'm sure. So describe it to me if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, uh, data chaos um, for me is uh, essentially systems that are fractured, uh, processes that are poorly thought through. Uh, Maybe the best way to to start is that if you don't set up a process right from the beginning, 
then you're never gonna you're never gonna succeed as far as I'm concerned that's uh, you've got to set the work up the right way so that the humans that are doing it feel good about it that's something that I'm, I'm still very interested in, even though I'm so entrenched in technology now, is that uh, I, I like to still understand what the machines can't do at this point. Um, so that, that goes without saying that you've got to set your processes up right or you will most assuredly have data chaos. Uh, and then from there, data chaos is having multiple legacy systems uh, within your company, um, but having no plan to uh, consolidate those systems into one one platform or one system. So we, we deal with a lot of global Fortune 500 companies that have numerous systems. They're, they're pleading, they're begging, they're doing whatever they can to try to consolidate these things. They might have two or three systems within their company that look at temperature, that gather temperature. So you could have, I, I, I'm a huge global pharma company and I've got three different platforms within my system, within my processes that just look at the temperature for my shipments. That's a big problem. Um, they're all going to interpret it differently. The graphs are all going to be different. They might not uh, play nice together. Uh, and then you lose meaning behind all the metrics and the KPIs that you set up in your processes. They're gray. Uh, no one really knows what's going on at some point. What system did you get that from? Can I trust it? I hear that a lot. Uh, so it just starts to become a huge problem. Uh, another good example is that with one of the largest pharma companies in the world, they do thousands of shipments with us every year. Uh, and they have thousands of processes with us. Processes, what in my world, is, is a standard operating procedure, an SOP. And every time we do a transport, we have to have an SOP associated with it. Every, for every shipment, there needs to be an SOP so that the people, those 30-plus people that I mentioned to you, Al, they have to have some mm -hmm. instruction to follow. Um, so you've got the, the SOPs out there. Ours happen to be in the form of PDFs, and they can be 20 to 30 pages of instruction for each movement. And that can become quite a problem. First, you can't get the data out of the PDF. You can, but uh, it's not easy. And who wants to do that anyways? Plus, it's 20 to 30 pages, right? That's a lot of Who's going to read those? Is it the guy in the warehouse with his coffee mug? Is he going to go through and read a, a, a book? No. Um, so in the case of that opportunity, uh, we took all of the data that we have within our system across all of our hundreds of thousands of SOPs, and we digitalized it. So we uh, we took all the feeds, all the different components, and made them all reportable. Uh, we exposed the statistics behind them. Uh, we condensed it to a, a one to two page view in, a, in an IT portal. And uh, we unleashed that back to the customer. And they said, oh my gosh, now I can actually view my entire network. I can, I can report on each SOP. I, I, I understand 
uh, how they're performing from a transit time perspective, from a, uh, a quality perspective. I know what I'm paying for even. Wow, I, I couldn't even see how I was booking these shipments. So just giving that visibility, um, it, it's, it's extremely impactful. Uh, and that's a, it, it's another good point is that, um, and something that I'm fortunate is that we've gotten to be customer facing. So uh, I see a lot of internal application of these types of tools, uh, but, but the customers are the ones paying all of our paychecks and because uh, we're a for-profit company. And um, yeah, and they can give some really great insight. So we kind of lead through the, uh, the customer, the voice of the customer uh, in developing these, these tools. Sounds like when you think of AI, which is essentially predicting, automating, optimizing, uh, you've got a ton of opportunity around the automate, automation place or space here. Absolutely. Uh, very good. Yeah, we do. We do. And that's, uh, it's a good point. Also a bit of a, a bit of a fearful point um, because of what I was mentioning earlier about some of the pessimistic outlooks um, as far as AI and, and automation. Um, so that's, that's something that we also still try to drive again, is the the human um, effect on this digital shift, uh, so to speak. So, um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, we have to find new ways for people to work. If we, automated that SOP process that I just mentioned to you, uh, which we're in the process of doing, uh, then those people, those engineers that are currently designing those processes will need to be repurposed into something else. Uh, maybe root cause analysis, or, or perhaps they're looking at the, uh, the algorithms uh, from the predictive uh, forecasts uh, and ensuring that they have chosen the best one. Um, or, you know, is, is blockchain right around the corner? Will that be an area that uh, they can provide value in? So that's a whole nother uh, animal, but one that I'm glad that you brought up because it's very interesting to me, just that the human component behind automation and keeping a, um, still being uh, key, uh, keyed into that. Yeah, I know you brought up a, a lot of, um, well, we, we talked about a little bit about Amazon, but how, how does DHL differ from in approach and in a technology sense to what others are doing in the logistics supply chain business? Oh, well, um, from a technology standpoint, we've been releasing, as I mentioned to you, we've got a huge push for this 2025 uh, dig digitalization strategy. It's it's what's driving Deutsche Post, DHL over the next five years. So everything now that I'm seeing within the company is so refreshing. Uh, it's all around uh, digitalization. We've recently launched a, 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 a DHL uh, interactive quotation tool, for example, so the customers can go right into a system and quote. Uh, we've got analytics embedded into that as well. So this isn't even life science and healthcare specific. Just for all DHL shipments, uh, we're becoming much more uh, digitally savvy, and it's becoming, I think, the backbone now, uh, like it should, uh, of our company. 
so that we can continue to be a major player uh, and avoid disruption. That makes sense. Winnie, you got any, any other questions? Um, just one. So, you know, I, I think you guys have, you know, done a lot on the digital innovation side of things. Um, maybe she, if you could share a little bit about what's next. Um, what are you focusing on, you know, specifically for your next? You said you've um, already tackled the descriptive and diagnostic. What does the predictive <laughs> side of things look like for you? Yeah, it's a, a, a exciting question. I'm, I'm really uh, passionate about what's next. Uh, I mentioned my colleague, Jasmine. Um, so we, every year, DHL has a, a startup lab, they call it. And it's really an, an innovation incubator program within our company. So we, we, we have tons of employees. They all have great ideas. Uh, but DHL handpicks a number of ideas each year, and they will uh, put some investment into it, uh, give you a few months to really iron it out and develop it. And then you go over to uh, to Bonn and Germany and you, you, you report on that idea and, and present it to the board uh, and they'll make a decision. You know, should this be a new business unit? Is this a, a new service or a new product? Or maybe this is a company that will spin off and support. So very excited because Jasmine and I actually uh, we've submitted the last few years and didn't get accepted, but this year we did. Um, so we got accepted into this incubator program. And now from January until April, um, we're going to be working on uh, truly on predictive analytics. That's what our idea is around and scaling it out to uh, to everyone within DHL. So we, we believe we've got a, a pretty good concept as to um, how do you more or less um, automate some aspects of machine learning so that a, a, a non-coder, uh, non-data scientist can can take advantage of and, and predict uh, and forecast using the data they have available to them. Um, so really um, intrigued by this uh, opportunity, and that's what uh, Jasmine and I will be working on um, until May when we'll go over to the board and uh, present it, and who knows, maybe it will turn into something. That's very exciting. I, I can't wait to see what happens, um, and good luck to you on that. So, Thank you, um, Winnie. You know, I think there's definitely that trend of, um, like you said, automating the machine learning side of things for the non-coder or the, the what we call citizen data scientists. Um, so, you know, any... Any initial thoughts, any advice for people who are looking at this like you? Yeah. Um, one of my earlier comments was to align a, a, a true data engineer slash data scientist hybrid type with business people. Um, I think that we have a lot to learn from one another. I, I wouldn't be where I was today if I hadn't sort of gotten lucky and been able to uh, hire Jasmine. Um, so I think that's huge. That's a huge part of it. Uh, and then working with customers. So not just focus internally because then you become your own silo. Um, so also looking out beyond your company, looking at your customers, your partners, uh, and, and understanding their needs and, and how are they utilizing data? 
and how can it connect to you and vice versa. Um, so that th those two for me are, are huge uh, takeaways from this experience uh, so far in working in data. Um, I see a, a, a ton of opportunity because the regulations that, uh, that are in this particular market are only going to increase um, as the products are becoming more genetic and cellular based and biologically biological based. Um, so, and, and customers, uh, the companies out there will have more and more access to real time data. Uh, so with that, they're gonna, uh, their expectations are gonna increase uh, as are all of ours and even in our everyday lives, uh, we're all always connected, right? Um, so they are too. Um, so I see them at some point asking themselves, you know, once they are capable of processing more and more massive amounts of data in a, in a very flexible way, um, that they're going to start to say, you know, what can I do now that I couldn't do before? What can I do better that I couldn't do before? And it's just going to keep going, uh, to where it will, it's going to go into that area of data driven recommendations. That's, that's where it's going, at least that's what I see, um, that nobody has time to do all of this either. That's the other part of it. Is who has time to do descriptive, diagnostic, predictive analytics? At some point, you just want something recommended to you from all of those uh, three previous categories, right? What's the best option for me to take at the moment, given all of your analysis that you have on hand? And that's that's where it's going more and more. We all want it. We want it in our everyday lives. We use it in our everyday lives. I use it with Netflix. I use it with all my other things. I just want to, I just need it in the moment. Um, so we're already looking at that, Jasmine and I, for example, you know, what are the best 10 uh, routings for me to use today, uh, given this packaging type? Um, what are the best uh, what are the options that are experiencing the least issues? And if I came into my desk every morning and I'm one of these pharmaceutical companies, I want to just have that pop up on my dashboard that morning. And I want it to always be real time and to always be giving me alerts. Hey, within this SOP, your contingency option is performing better than your primary option. We're going to automatically switch it or uh, you know, these kind of dynamic uh, capabilities are what's on the horizon. And it's, it's, it's really uh, fascinating to see them unfolding. Hey, look, um, thank you guys both for being on here, Winnie, for, for coming back, finish up the series. Gordon, is there anything that we didn't say either technology-wise, future-wise, Results wise, impact wise, whatever that you you want to make sure we get to or or have hit, or did we pretty much nail it? Uh, that's up to Winnie. I I did miss the fact that um, from a industry perspective, up to five percent of life sciences and healthcare shipments are discarded. So that's the industry standard, and that's a huge number when you think about 5% of the total product value. And that's due to damaged goods, due to um, temperature excursions, and then these companies have to go through um, 
through the product loss itself, through the remanufacturing uh, process, uh, re you know, redundant shipping costs, quality assurance uh, adjustments, and regulatory penalties. Um, so I just want to put that out there is that we we can continue to really improve this and improve the quality of life for people, and it's it's definitely our responsibility, those of us in this in, in this industry in this sector to uh, to take it extremely seriously uh, because each each box is actually representative of a life. Well, I mean, the thing that's you know that that kind of shocks me with that. Well, first of all, I mean, it's just shocking in general. I mean, from a from a revenue and everything else perspective, that's huge time wasted. But then you were also talking about earlier, Gordon, that um, you know some of this is 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 life saving, and sometimes it's it's uh, medicine by example that can't just be replicated immediately. It's it's no. it's been put together over a long period of time, and you know, look, you're not going to get it for another months, maybe even years. That's it. Yeah, that's the one that really kind of strikes you hard is once you once you get that piece of it that they just can't order up another shipment and have it on the way as soon as they find out about the excursion. Makes sense. Makes sense. Hey, again, thank you for being here. Winnie, thank is you, there anything Al. that you wanted to leave us with? I, I mean, just thank you, Gordon, for sharing your stories. And, you know, as we say here at IBM, um, AI is not magic and it really is a, a discipline. Um, and so the more stories we hear from the field, from, you know, people like you, um, the more people are aware of, you know, the challenges, but also, you know, how do you go about attacking these um, problems? Um, this, most of those are common problems that we're hearing over and over. So, um, thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, see, thank one more time. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, uh, appreciate the listening. It's been one hell of a year. Uh, it's all due to you, and 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 we to, uh, fully respect that. Uh, if as always, if you have any feedback, please hit almartintalksdata at gmail dot com. Any prospects that you have that want to join the podcast, any questions, we'll, we'll make sure that they get answered. Thank you and have a great new year. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.